Uh, I'm not sure if this is going to work. Hey, we got to have fun with it. It's going to work. I I really don't know if this intro is going to work. It's going to work. Just trust me. Formula One is back again. Lots of race setting pace. We're ready for the new year. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Mercedes is looking rough, very tough. Just our luck. Hamilton could be the best. Will he win number eight? Max is going for the lead. Can he win? Oopsie spin. McLaren's car's looking sharp. Watch Lando fly. Lots of drivers in new seats. Sergio, Ricardo. Will Carlos outshine Leclerc? Who knows, who knows, who knows? Haas has a whole new lineup. Or money, legacy. Williams under new owners. Will George I get a shot? Many races to address. 23, soon to be, who's ready for the season? We know we freaking are. It is time for Off the Pit Wall, an American F1 podcast. Time for us to recap the 2021 Bahrain Grand Prix. And I don't know about you, Hunter, but that was a, in my opinion, an exciting way to kick off this F1 season. That was one of the best down to the wire fights I've ever seen in my time in my tenure of watching uh, Formula One. Yeah, that was phenomenal. I mean, at, at the very least, let's just start with our general thoughts about it, our general feelings about the race. I thought it was fantastic, as you mentioned. It was close down to the wire. There was a lot of you know strategy that also went into it as well. There was some interesting performances in the midfield. Uh, and even uh, even a couple of wrecks, you know, first safety car of the year, a little bit of everything in that race. And I was I was even though, you know, Mercedes does maintain their reign in a way and win the first race of the season, although I think it was Lewis's first uh, win in the opening race of the season since like 2015. Regardless, Six years. Yeah. Regardless, even with Mercedes winning the race, I still think. It is a good sign for the rest of the year to come. So uh, excellent race. Great start to the 2021 season. Yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. From first practice all the way until the checkered flag, I thought the whole weekend was great. Uh, I really like what they've done to attempt to even out the playing field. I don't necessarily love the idea of trying to make everyone closer, but I fully understand the need to do it, and it's clearly worked. I mean, that midfield battle, forget the leaders, no matter no matter what F1 does, the top two, maybe three, are always going to be gone. They're always going to be checked out. But that midfield battle was phenomenal. The whole race was just a great, great battle, and it was so much fun to watch. You had the Ferraris that were back in action. You had McLaren that was trying to stake its claim to, to third place, as we're expecting, you know, and, and you also had for a good portion of the race, Fernando Alonso that was bouncing around in there. So, and you know, and of, of course you saw the climb after climb after climb by Sergio Perez because of his, his pit strategy, just being a, a completely different step from everybody else on the field. He um, started in the pit lane and he finished fifth. I mean, yeah, what, what a drive. Yeah. Now, coming up, we're going to be talking about our drivers of the day. We're going to be talking about our disappointments of the day, and we're going to be breaking down our thoughts on every single team in F1 and how they did in this first race. But before that, we need to address the controversy. F1 didn't wait long to get its first argument. (laughs) Didn't wait long at all. Yeah. So the issue is turn four. Hunter, you said you had a whole bunch of research about what the whole situation was. Yeah. Give me give me the lowdown. What's kind of the 
you know, from afar, what's the perspective on this whole situation? It's a load of poppycock. That's okay. what I'll tell you. Well, well, to set it up for, for everyone who didn't see, Max passed Hamilton with, what, three laps to go? But Four laps to go. Yeah. Three or four, yes. But still very close to the end. And his team immediately tells him, give the spot back. You passed him off the track. But this part of the track has been kind of skirted for the entire race. So during all of preseason testing, this turn was not being policed. During first practice, it was not policed. Second practice, they they implemented, you can't have all four tires go over the curbs. Then in the rest of that practice, the rest of third practice and qualifying, those were the rules. And then for some reason, during the race, those rules went away. Lewis Hamilton went over this line completely at least 29 times throughout the race. So for 29 of his 55 laps, he went over the line. But because he wasn't racing anyone wheel to wheel, he allegedly wasn't using it to benefit his lap times and therefore did not gain any advantages. Even though it clearly gave him a good cushion from him himself and Max to not let Max catch up. So what the issue is, Max passes him on the outside. Now if this was a policed rule throughout the race, everyone would have just gone, dang it, he passed him on the outside. He kind of was forced there if he wanted to pass him, that was his only option. But he passed him on the outside, he has to get that back right away. But the problem was, halfway through the race, Red Bull sees that Lewis is, is using this to his advantage, calls it on the stewards, and then all of a sudden the stewards say, Lewis, if you do it one more time, we're going to black and white flag you. And he, on TV, on the radio, says... They haven't said anything all race. I've been doing it all race. Why is it all of a sudden a problem? Clearly, there just needs to be a rule. I, I just, I don't understand. And, and Martin Brundle and, and, and everyone in the commentary booth, they were all talking about it as well. They were all, why isn't there just, this is the rule. Forget the driver's feelings. This is the rule. You do it X amount of times, you're done. Yeah, I think the ridiculous part about it was that there was a point during the race where... You had Lewis Hamilton's crew chief telling him, hey, you got to watch yourself there. You can't be doing it. And at the same time, you know, because no one knew what the clear indication was, you had Red Bull telling Max Verstappen, hey, Lewis is doing that. Apparently, we're good on that. You can start doing that. And And it it just creates confusion. Exactly. They literally said to him, do it until we're told not to because Lewis has been doing it the whole race. It just it, it blows my mind that. They can do this, and but because he's not racing wheel-to-wheel, he's not gaining an advantage. Yet clearly he's gaining advantage if it matters. So if, if there even is a, a rule of any kind or a thought of a rule, why isn't it just clear-cut? It was clear-cut through practice two, three, and qualifying. Why did you take away the, the black and whiteness of it during the race? That just makes no sense. Yeah, it's a huge disappointment. And, you know, for anyone saying, well, you know, if they're not racing wheel to wheel, what's the harm of it and everything? Clearly, it provides an advantage because, you know, if if Lewis Hamilton wasn't getting an, an advantage out of doing that, then why yeah, would he be doing it? Yeah, like, exactly. Lewis Hamilton is smart enough to know what will help him and what will hurt him. Yeah, he's a seven time world champion wall, yeah. for a reason. Like, come on. Yeah, if going over the line is what the line he wants to run. But earlier it was it was a line or earlier throughout the weekend it was a line that wasn't allowed. Clearly that's the faster line. And again, the, the controversy is 
because the rule became blurred, and so therefore it is allowed to be debated. If the rule wasn't blurred and it was black and white, we wouldn't be allowed to debate it. We'd be allowed to we we we'd be allowed to talk about it and say, "Oh, it's a shame that that's how he tried to pass them and it just didn't work." The other thing too that is that can be talked about and debated is why did he give him back the position at that part of the track? Why not wait until the the front stretch to then be able to run him down? Why not be why wasn't he allowed to just drive away from him and make up the 5 seconds? He had he had 10 lap new tires and he was in the fastest car of the weekend. So there's many things up in the air that just go, why? And it's just, it's annoying to the people who are tired of seeing McLaren win, or not McLaren, sorry, Mercedes win. And it just, it, it's angered a lot of people on social media. Yeah, and that's less of a failure of Max, obviously. That's more of a failure of... No, it's not Max's fault at all. It's, it's the, yeah. it's, it's not, well, it's not even the team's fault. Well, it's the team's fault for maybe telling him to, to give him back the position at that part of the track. Yeah. But to his team's knowledge, that line was allowed because Lewis had been doing it all day. So why all of a sudden is it not allowed? Max could have passed him somewhere else in that moment if uh, I think it was Giovinazzi wasn't right there. But then it, it just it's one of those things where why call it then if you didn't call it all race? Yeah, I'll be honest. If I was Max... For Stappen, and I was sitting in that seat. I honestly would ignore my team. I would run out the last, you know, four laps of the race, you know, pushing. They give me a time penalty. Well, yeah, pushing as hard as I can and let the stewards figure it out after the fact. Now, that would have been very controversial, of course, for a lot of different reasons. But the thing is, there's no way they can assess him a time penalty without also having to then review and consider the possibility of assessing advantage yeah. yeah of assessing Hamilton a time penalty for doing the exact same thing just not in the act of passing someone honestly like after this race and I don't know if you could think of any other examples I'm tr- I think um I- I'm thinking of um the middle chicane in uh Monaco uh when you come out of the tunnel as another prime example of a place where it's always like you know, people are always kind of like skirting like the the track a little bit. Drivers are going to cheat the course as much as they can before yeah. they get in trouble. That's no, no. just literally how it works. You, you have to take every advantage you can. No, no. All I'm saying is that I think that especially looking at how like the track is laid out and how drivers are like cheating, if you will, that that turn four in Bahrain. Honestly, just like redesign that part of the track a little bit to make it have like a, a little bit of a smoother a run out after that turn. Not even redesign it. it. You're telling me that Formula One, a multi-billion dollar company, can't hire 20, 20, 20 trained watchers to just watch one driver the whole race at certain corners that matter and tick off every time that they go across the line? And if they do it as many times as, as they're legally allowed, the next time they do it, you, you tell the, the stewards and then they black flag the person or give them the warning or whatever. Like, you're telling me it's that hard? You're telling me that it's impossible for Formula One to do this? It, it's, it's such a – there's track limits. Most tracks have grass. That hurts you. Most tracks have walls. That hurts you. Tracks like this where there's multiple circuit layouts so it doesn't have those things, you set up the corners like you did where you simply say – this is this corner is illegal. Uh, imagine this corner as a, as a wall. Don't go across it, or else we're going to penalize you. You're telling me it's that hard to just watch that corner the rest of the race 
and just tick off every time someone goes across it and give them a give them a time penalty if the if the time comes. The only t- other time I've seen something convert controversial like this is when, um, again it was Lewis Hamilton, but this time it was uh, uh Sebastian Vettel. Sorry, having a brain fart. The only other time I've seen something controversial like this is when Lewis Hamilton and Sa- Sebastian Vettel got into a fight at uh Canada. They gave Vettel a ten second time penalty and he lost the race, even though he won the race. And the pass, to me, still was perfectly fine, but Lewis complained enough that they said, oh, he, he's really upset. It must have actually been that scary of a pass for him to endure that they gave him a 10-second time penalty, and he lost the race, even though he still beat Lewis by, I think it was like eight seconds. Yeah, overall, Max should have won that race. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It, it's a, yeah. yeah. It's I, a shame. Yeah, I mean, we, we can't harp on this forever. Um, Max should have won the race, and uh, I really hope that while the competitive edge remains. I hope the controversy definitely uh, gets sorted out uh, as we continue through the F1 season. Yeah, I hope they just learn the lesson and they make strict track limits. Yeah, but more than just Max and Lewis, there were 20 drivers out on the track, and it's basically time for us to kind of wrap up and recap the Bahrain Grand Prix, and we're going to start with our personal picks for driver of the day. So the actual driver of the day was um, Sergio Perez. It was Sergio Perez. Yes, that's right. Thank you, uh, Hunter. And honestly, if I guess I'll go first, he is also my driver of the day. He had a heck of a performance after being down early. This this man loves racing in Bahrain. He clearly does. He no matter what the layout is, he enjoys this track. I wanted to have my driver be Sergio because it was awesome to see him go from what looked like it was going to be heartbreak to start the season to almost a podium finish. But I got to go with the rookie, the, oh, no. uh, the first the first Japanese points since uh, 2012, going with Yuki Tsunoda. Of course you're going to go with Yuki. You are He passed champions. He 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 earned that ninth place. He passed champions, what, uh, Alonzo, who retired, or Vettel, who has been kind of bad the past he couple of years? Raikkonen. He fought Alonzo. He fought Vettel. He is, that was his first ever F1 race. I don't care if his car was just as good or a little bit better than theirs. Those passes that they showed him taking were not some pass you'd normally see a rookie do. He actually dove into the corners. He late-braked. He was looking fantastic. On the flip side, Sergio passed all those drivers multiple times during the race. Well, but, Sergio was in the car that should have won the race. Well, you know, I guess that's I guess that's another matter of perspective. Uh, I will I will give it to you that it was very funny to me and a little sad that George Russell is still looking for his first points in a Williams, and yep. uh, you know Yuki is just out here his first race two points. And that's just a a, a shame for George. It really really is. Yeah. But, uh, okay, I, I get why you're going with Sonoda for your driver of the day. I'm going to stick with Perez. He just did it all, faced adversity, overcame it. I mean, it, it sucked that he couldn't be more of a wingman to Max and help Max more definitively beat Hamilton instead of, you know, the controversy we just discussed. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And the first uh, first race of the season, you're going to see some mechanical issues, um, you know. Uh, and and I mean... Well, he had to turn the whole car off and back on again. It was like the IT crowd. Well, mechanical, electrical, like all types of problems happen. It's the first race of the season. It's the first time mm-hmm. that you actually have to do that. Beyond just him, like Haas was having problem with the uh, oh. with the back end of their car, which we will get more to later. Let's not get on that that track just yet, Hunter. Um, oh, I wanted to say though about Perez real quick. 
Yeah. I think he would have been much better of a wingman if he didn't have to start in the pit lane. If he started in his actual starting spot of 11th, I believe, I think he would have been right there in a couple laps, well, yeah, especially yeah. with the way the race started. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I'm not saying like the the only thing I was saying is that, like, unfortunately, he couldn't be a better wingman because of the things that right. were out That's of his enough. control. Fair enough, um, fair enough. But yeah, Perez, Sonoda both had a, a pretty solid race. Good first race for Sonoda and Sergio overcoming a lot of adversity in race one. Now for our disappointments of the day. Hunter, we may be on the same. Actually, I don't think we're on the same boat. So go ahead. Give me your disappointment of the day. Uh, my disappointment would have to be Pierre. Um, really bummed. He had a great qualifying start and just really disappointed to see his wing get ripped off. Definitely wasn't on purpose or anything. Just that was a racing deal. So really disappointed to not be able to see him fight the way he should have been able to. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought you were going to go with Nikita Mazepin. I really no, thought. I'm not disappointed about him at all. He, 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 that's what should have happened. It's not disappointing. That's, that's what I, that's what I thought I was going to see. I'm not disappointed. I got what I thought I'd see. It, the dude spun out five times in one weekend. <laughs> okay. I said, I said last week that he wasn't even going to finish the lap of the race and he was a new Kevin Magnuson. And what, it, what happened? Literally. It's unbelievable. Well, the only reason I'm mad about that is because my disappointment of the day is also Pierre Gasly because, I mean, qualifying fifth, being right there at the top of the mid pack and then, you know, just the whole race ending in shame and him not not even finishing the race. It, it just sucks. And that's why I'd also say that Pierre is my disappointment of the day. Back back to Mazepin for just a second. Remember, Hunter, you've completed just as many F1 laps in a race as Nikita Mazepin has. I have. I have. You're exactly, and, and you have as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Look at us. We, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, that's great. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty, pretty clear. If, I mean, if you just look at straight qualifying to where the people ended up, Pierre definitely dropped the furthest. There might be an argument that Fernando Alonso might've been the biggest disappointment because Alpine just didn't have the reliability to make it through the whole race and those brake yeah. problems shut him down. But, but it I was also the way the race started that definitely caused that. Yeah. Yeah. Ha having to sit there for so long and let the parts not be cooled. Because they're cooled by the air with them driving around. So well, yeah, of course. I'm surprised more teams didn't have that failure. Yeah, we, we definitely agree on a, a, a suitable disappointment of the day. Hopefully, Pierre gets a little bit of revenge at uh, Imola mid-April. But time to go team by team and us to give a, a grade, if you will, to each team on the grid, how they performed based on their circumstances, based on what we expected. All of that good stuff. We're going to start with the top, Mercedes. Hunter, what grade will you give Mercedes for the Bahrain Grand Prix? I honestly give Mercedes in like a C+. Plus. A C+. That, plus. That, yeah, a C+. Plus. They're, they're supposed to be an A++ plus plus team. And they, yeah, they won the race, but they shouldn't have. And Botas was 17 seconds behind them when the race ended. So if Perez was there, it clearly would have been Red Bull on top of the table right now. So they have the lead, but they should have the lead. But their lead isn't as big as it as it could be. So C plus. Really? That's an average that's an average score. They did an average race weekend for them. Okay. Uh I I went in a different train of thought for this. I'm giving Mercedes an A for the weekend. All right. Because they came into this race, they weren't the favorites. Everyone thought Max was gonna have this locked up. And yeah. now 
again, the controversy did happen, but at the end of the day, Mercedes still gets the 25 points for first. Hamilton still gets his 96th win. I mean, at the end of the day, they did what they needed to. They, you know, got in front of Max. Their strategy happened to hold out barely, but it held out. And, you know, Valtteri also took away Max's fastest lap, too. That was just a good strategic point that uh, Mercedes managed to do because Valtteri is there to be that wingman, that assist guy to Lewis Hamilton. I know how much he hates that, but that is the case. Honestly, the only thing that the only thing that's keeping them from an A plus, in my opinion, is the fact that Valtteri wasn't, you know, in there more to possibly possibly try to knock Max down even further. That wasn't his fault, though. They called him in for tires when he didn't need them, and they messed up that pit stop. Yeah, the A-plus was lost with the pit crew. See, for me, that's just, as of, uh, yeah, going into this weekend, we all went, ooh, Red Bull should win this one. But it's only the first race, and for the past seven years, Mercedes should win every race. They should only lose if something bonkers happens. So they should be there. We've yet to been proven this season that they shouldn't be guaranteed to win every week anymore. So that's why I gave it the C plus. Okay, a little bit of a harsh critic hunter. It, you gotta be. All right, all right. Well, are you as harsh a critic as Red Bull? What's your grade on Red Bull? Um, I think Red Bull dropped the ball because that on the other foot, fantastic. Want to give them an A plus, right? But they didn't win the race. Uh, Sergio didn't even make it into Q three. They had the technical problems, and then they just ran out of luck at the end. So I'm giving them a B plus. It's above average, but it wasn't fantastic because they had the promise of doing much better, but they couldn't pull it off. Yeah, I'm actually in the same exact boat, Hunter. I also put down a B plus for them. Again, yeah. they didn't hold on to first place. They had some technical problems that made Perez a non-factor in that front running. But at the end of the day, they still secured a podium. They secured second place. Perez took a terrible situation that many drivers wouldn't be able to convert a points finish out of and converted a great points finish coming in fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think that they had high expectations and they overcame some adversity, but they still didn't fully live up to what we were expecting. You know, because if you're the fastest car on, on on the weekend and you start on pole position and you don't like have any like pit crew incidents, you should finish first. And again, the controversy, you know, Max should be the winner, whatever, whatever. But still, it honestly, Max, especially the way that they were going, it, it shouldn't have to come down to the final like, you know, two seconds of the race for for Max to get that pass done. I, I, I fully agree with you, so. Yeah, but that does it for the top two teams. Now, as we work our way down, we're going to McLaren next. Hunter, your thoughts on Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo, the first weekend of them being teammates uh, in that McLaren car. Do you think uh, they deserved a good grade uh, or a more mediocre grade? We will give them an A- minus because they are still not going to be battling necessarily for wins. I give them the A minus because I think they should have come in either fourth or sixth or with the way the race started, I should say, with Perez starting the pit lane. They should have come in either fourth or sixth or fourth or fifth. Um, So because they came in fourth and seventh, I give them an A minus. Great weekend for them. Great points start to the season. But I think they shouldn't have let the Ferrari ahead of them. And 
that was a shock as well, but we'll get to that when we get to Ferrari. So yeah, a minus. And I don't know if you're like peeking off my sheet or what, but I also had an A minus for <laughs> for McLaren. I mean, you know, they started a little further uh they started a little further down in qualifying than where they ended up. So they climbed a little bit. They went from six and seven to four and seven. Lando had an excellent drive. He got out, you know, uh, ahead of that that midfield at the very top of it and just kind of managed to sit there and control it the entire time. Kind of wanted a little bit more out of Ricardo. Kind of felt like Ricardo was just kind of, you know. I think he's still learning the car. Well, I mean, that's, that is fair. He is the new driver to the team. Hopefully, Ricardo gets a little bit more of a handle on it and Ricardo's able to climb with Lando a little bit. And, you know, kind of definitively make their mark above Ferrari and, you know, maybe be challenging the likes of Sergio, the likes of Valtteri as the uh, season continues. So, yeah, A minus for them. Great start, but, you know, still still room for improvement. Now, you kind of hinted at Ferrari earlier when we were talking about McLaren. They're the next ones up for us to talk about. What grade do you have for them? Be completely honest, an A plus. I was shocked. Wow, Really? Mm-hmm. They, I'm basing, so I'm basing all my grades off of last year and how I figured that they would most likely run to start the year based off of how their, their performance was last year. So last year, McLaren did well. So I, I expected them to do just as well, maybe a little bit better than they did. So Ferrari didn't see that coming at all. Did not see that happening. Watching qualifying was fantastic. Seeing Charles at the top of the boards for half of a lap or, you know, <laughs> so for them to finish sixth and eighth in this race and to be fourth in constructors right now, it's just the first race, but still that gives me a lot of hope for them and for this season, for the mid pack fight. And they might be able to take it to McLaren, depending on what happens. And maybe it'll be a McLaren Ferrari fight the rest of the season. And we need, we need Alfa Tari to finish a race with both drivers in the points. Let's see what's good. It's going to be a fantastic midfield race, but Ferrari is an A plus. Uh, for me, Ferrari is getting a B minus because oh. I'll be honest. I kind of factored the race a lot more into my grade than qualifying. I did take qualifying into account a little bit, but mm-hmm. I factored the race in a little bit more. And I mean, in the race, Leclerc was moving backwards. Carlos didn't really make a huge impact. I mean, Carlos was kind of battling it with the likes of Alonso. He was battling it with Vettel at parts, with Lance Stroll uh, throughout the course of the race. And I mean, he happened to come out on top for all those people I named with Alonso retiring, Lance Stroll coming in 10th, and Vettel being, well, on this weird one-stop strategy that left him completely out of any type of running. He was That was bad. Yeah, but we we will get to him in a second. But for Ferrari, I'm going to say B minus because, I mean, I'm glad that they're more competitive than last year. I'm glad that it looks like they're going to be regular contenders for decent points finishes during the course of the race. And, you know, they look to be a strong midfield team. Like you said, potentially battling McLaren for third, you know, definitely in the mix with uh, Alpha Tauri with Aston Martin with Alpine potentially, but you know I, I definitely thought that you know Leclerc needs to have kind of a stronger hold on where he started with qualifying. Carlos Sainz needs to kind of climb a little bit more. Um, I was expecting a little bit more out of Carlos to be honest. I was expecting him to be a, a bit of a bigger player in this one, but I mean it's very competitive and that's kind of situation. So I mean B minus, not terrible, still above average. I'm I'm glad that they're kind of back in and kind of making a mix of things because 
you know, like they have such a heralded history and everything in F1 that, you know, you never want to see Ferrari just being the Williams of the sport. I'm not quite giving them the full A plus yet. OK, if they come out in Imola, if they, you know, go four five or if they get a podium or something like that, then, you know, I might I might start going, OK, that's an A. That's an A performance for Ferrari based on, you know, how how they're kind of living right now. But for now, B minus. But speaking of the likes of Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel, Aston Martin, the next one up on my list. And this is where we start to get to uh, teams that I don't think perform very well. I don't know. What do you think, Hunter? As if you if you watch the the Sky Sports F1 ESPN broadcast, you heard uh, Otmar Satsnets. I can't say his name. The Aston Martin uh, team, team principal. principal. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. Uh, he was very upset with with the rule changes and the fact that his low rate car is really hampered by these rule changes. So with how adamant he was about that and the fact that they were a good team last year, I was quite disappointed with them squeaking into the top 10, especially with with Alonso uh, dropping out and Pierre dropping out. That's two to me. Top 10 guys that should have been there, not getting a spot, and they still barely only got one guy in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So I give them a, a D plus. They, they, they were much better last year. And again, I'm basing mine off of last year's trends to this first race since we don't have any data for the season yet. Mm-hmm. I give them a D plus. All right. Uh, I'm very close to you. I gave them a C minus. All right. Um, because, I mean... You got to be you got to be fair because you know as as you talked about they they barely got points even with retirements from Gasly and retirements from Alonso, but that midfield is very competitive and we've seen multiple times that last year where you know Renault was just not at a track they were good at and they happened to be out of the points and then you know Racing Point happened to be at a track they weren't good at they happened to be out of the points and kind of like that just that back and forth back and forth of teams as they go to tracks that are slightly more favored for them, slightly less favored. The whole rake issue that the team principal was talking about. I mean, yeah, you can, you can whine about it, but you know who else has a low rate car? Mercedes. Mercedes is like the sample low rate, low rake car that uh, if you remember back to last year, that's what racing point was borrowing (laughs) to, to have the pink Mercedes and all their success last year. So I don't really buy into a lot of that. Um, I mean, honestly, Vettel, terrible performance. The man earned five points against his super license in one day. Yeah, that's that's not good. That's really not good. So Sebastian Vettel, terrible performance. And Lance Stroll, mediocre performance. To me, I, I'm giving him a C- minus because I'll give him a little discount, okay, and not push it to D just because there's right. not a lot of room for points. There's not a lot of room left at this point. Yes. But still. But I would just like to real quick, Mercedes is Mercedes. They're they're the they're the real deal. Aston Martin last year when they were the pink Mercedes, they were the they were the cheap imitation that was that it was paying off. Once the rules changed, you can't imitate something that hasn't been changed that hasn't been made yet. So I think it's gonna be a rough season for them. Yeah, I also think it's gonna be a rough season for them. So this performance, I'm giving them a C minus because yeah, Vettel just kinda well, for lack of a better term, the bed and Lance Stroll did about what Lance Stroll is expected to do. Uh, moving on to Alpine, Fernando Alonso out of retirement, 
in that new former Renault car, now Alpine. He's with Esteban Ocon. What do you think of their performance the first race? New new little bold hot take here. Uh, Fernando Alonso uh, is going to score like 99% of their points. That's not even really a hot take, but I truly believe that Fernando Alonso should be able to score points at least a 10th place every single race. I don't even know if Ocon, will, with the way that race was, if he will score a point all season. Uh, that car looked okay at best before they had the brake issues for Fernando. Uh, so I, I'll give them, based off where they were last year with getting some podiums to that race, I, I got to as well give them another D+. plus. Yeah, and I actually agree with you on this one. We have the same grade. Uh, I give it a D plus because, you know, we joke about Kimi Raikkonen basically being in retirement, just kind of going around and, you know, just having a casual drive on a Sunday. But Akon was a complete non-factor. The only interesting thing that happened to him was that Vettel smashed into him. Um, that, that is it, actually. Yeah. And then Fernando Alonso, of course, like, you know, first race of the season, a retirement for a mechanical problem, that kind of stuff happens. But and as you mentioned earlier, you know, like the, those cars sat there for a while. You know, they had the second formation lap. They had an early safety car, that kind of thing. But at the same time, no one else had problems. Fernando, Which actually did, yeah. did, that did surprise me, to be completely honest. But Yeah, but still, Fernando Alonso, uh, not even, well, making it just over the halfway point for the race. Not what he was hoping for in his big return. So, yeah, I'm giving Alpine a D-plus as well. Moving on to a team that finished just outside the points, what do you think about Alfa Romeo coming in 11th and 12th? I actually thought that, that was really a great sign for them. Last year, I now, of course, there were a decent amount of retirements, but every race has some sort of uh, unexpected factor happen. So you never really know. Anyone could win. We saw that last year. But I thought uh, their finishing order for their team compared to last year, this was a great way to start the season for them. Even though they didn't get any points, I feel like it's still a good morale booster. I'm going to give them a C plus or a B minus. Okay. All right. Yeah, I do agree that for kind of the, I don't know, the level of mediocrity that Alfa Romeo has kind of built itself in F1, I definitely feel like that they exceeded expectations in this race. They were solid. They, you know, passed people. You had Kimi and Giovinazzi both, like, actually, you know, not just kind of milling about the backfield, but actually kind of trying to push past people like Sebastian Vettel, obviously, as we talked about, he had a not-so-good day. You know, others that uh, were in kind of that low area, like Akon, like Russell, even. Poor George. <laughs> but uh, I'm giving them a B for the day. I think they All did right. solid work. And honestly, the only thing... Like, if they if they would have cracked top 10 and just walked away with a point, A-plus performance on the part of Alfa Romeo. But, yeah, I uh, agree. But yeah, B. Especially for a team that, you know, most of the time is going to be at least partially eliminated in Q1. That's mm -hmm. a great finish for them. I completely agree. So I think we're on the same page for this one. Yep. And moving on to the team that had our uh, disappointment of the day, and I guess also your driver of the day, AlphaTauri. Pierre Gasly falling down the order from his start at fifth. But Yuki got some points. What do you make of that? I think that them being in fifth as a constructor to start the season is great for the team. They say that they designed the car to foster young talent 
and get them comfortable in F1 and confident in F1. So maybe by making a car like that, they're actually helping the drivers a lot more than they even realize with being able to attack and drive harder. So uh, it's very disappointing that we didn't get to see Pierre go to his full potential. Great to see Yuki score some points, come in ninth. But still, though, I got to give him a, a B, just a plain old B, because they could have done a lot better. They could have done a lot worse, but it was a slightly above average, I'd say. Yeah, for me, Pierre, excellent job in qualifying. Obviously, a lot of bad luck in the race. And then Yuki, you know, passing people, as you mentioned, actually like racing them, pulling it up to ninth, getting a couple of points in his first ever F1 race. I'm going to go with a C. All right, that's fine. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not trying to take away from Yuki's success, but... Oh, no, I fully agree. A C yeah. might be a better grade than my B because that that would make more sense. Honestly, a C is an average grade, and they they could have done a little bit better. So maybe you're right. C might be the way to go. And again, I don't know if it's Pierre, you know, maybe being a little bit too aggressive with Daniel Ricciardo when he had his front wing taken off. Or, or what exactly that he could have possibly saved it and tried to save his race, but it happened. You got to move on. I'm sure Pierre Gasly will come back stronger and have a better finish in Imola. But yeah, C, B, honestly, something like that. A lot of promise, though. A lot of promise mm-hmm. for that Alpha Tower team. For sure. Now moving on to Haas. Oh, what, what do you have to say about Haas? Haas is, um. oh boy. I mean, realistically, I if I want to be a fair judge uh, and continue my my pattern of going off last year's results compared to this, since we don't have any data for the season yet, realistically, I have to say that's a, a C. That was an average race for them, to be completely honest with you. But you, oh my God. Okay. That was that realistically, though, that was an F. That was an F minus. That was horrible. That was one of the worst things I've seen. Hunter, make a stand. Are you going to give Haas the first ever F in our team grades, or are you going to give them a C? What are you going with? We don't have data for the whole season yet, and I've been going off of everything from last season. So unfortunately, I have to say C because that was on pace for how they honestly raced last year. I'll say this. The expectations coming into this from preseason testing, from the way that they were talking about mailing in this season, the the expectations were already extremely low. Mazepin made it three corners and Mick Schumacher had his own spin. And the only positive thing we could say about Mick Schumacher in that race is that he finished the race. Yes, he did. He, he finished every lap. Yeah. So we, we can say that. So I'm giving them a D. All right. That's I, fine. I'm, I'm giving them a D. The, the positives is that Mick Schumacher brought that car home in, a, in one piece. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's about all I that's could about say about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that leaves us one last team to talk about on the grid. One of your favorites, Hunter. It's Williams, George Russell, Nicholas Latifi. Your thoughts? I think that they are no longer going to be the bottom of the grid. I think they will be honestly racing for 16th, 15th every week. Uh, I know George got 14th, and I know there were a couple of retirements, but uh, I honestly think George can uh, fight in spots that maybe we might not have thought a couple years ago. But based off last year, compared the comparing the data from last year essentially to this first race, I have to give them a B plus. A they B finished fourteenth. They they George fine, a B. George finished fourteenth. Of course he was lapped down, but he was only one lap down. And uh and Nicholas Tifi didn't finish. I mean, 
it's that's Williams. That's that's Williams in this in this era in the in the turbo hybrid era. Unfortunately, Williams is dog water, and they finished better than I would have thought. So I give them a B. All right, I gave them a straight C. I thought it was extremely average. Probably one of the most average performances to expectations on the grid. I, I don't know if there's much to say about it. They had one car finish the race. They had one car retire slightly early. George got 14th. Yep, it's Williams. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's about all I could say about it. I still have hope that George can eke out his first points in Williams uh, at some point this season. But it's looking really competitive. So he's gonna he's gonna need some madness to happen for uh for him to get those points, but who knows? We'll see. But uh yeah. I'm giving him a C. Pretty average for uh the first race. But very exciting. Bahrain was great. Uh, I think overall as a race, Bahrain gets an A plus. Fantastic. Yes, it gets an A plus. From practice until that checkered flag. A plus. It was awesome. It was great to see. It was great to see drivers in, in with times that you wouldn't have expected coming into the season. It was there was just a buzz. There was like a buzz around the paddock. I, I wasn't even there and I could feel it. It you know it just this seems like it's going to be a great season and I'm excited. I don't know about you, Hunter. This may be the year that we need to plan a road trip to Coda. Wow, that that would be unbelievable. I mean, we still have plenty of time to plan it. It is October for us when uh, the Circuit of the Americas becomes home to the F1 world for a weekend. But if every race is going to be like this and and first and second are going to be split by less than a second, that would be an incredible sight to see in person. I'm really excited for Imla. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see us go there. Only downside, Hunter, I think, to this year is I got used to last year's pacing of races where it's like every weekend to every other weekend. That was phenomenal. I loved that. Yeah, and now it's like, wait. Now it's I, back to the regular. I have to wait half a month until Imola? Yeah, it's, what? it's, it's unbearable. <laughs> I know. But that wraps up our recap of the 2021 Bahrain Grand Prix here on Off the Pit Wall, an American F1 podcast. Make sure to join us next week. We're going to have a guest on the show. Caitlin Wolfskill is going to be joining us to talk about our opinions of each and every livery on the track. And then the week after that, we're going to be previewing Imola uh, before the first of two stops this year in Italy for the Formula One season. But until next time here on the Off the Pit Wall podcast, make sure to send us any questions, comments, or discussion to our email, offthepitwall at gmail.com. And until next time, we will see you. My name is Dan Zaleski. And I'm Hunter Connolly. And we'll see you next time on Off the Pit Wall, an American F1 podcast. The pregame podcast is produced by Dan Zaleski. With assistant producers Kalen Wolfskill and Hunter Connor. A Ruby Media Production.